Hi, I'm Christian Easterday, the Managing Director of Hot Chili Limited. Uh, we're one of the largest copper developers in the world, developing a very advanced asset on the Chilean coastline over in Chile, hoping to be part of the first of the new wave of large-scale production to meet the growing demand uh, that, uh, that we see as a key requirement towards global decarbonisation goals. Uh, Chris, and good to see you again. Um, it looks like um, Chile is on fire again. Costa Fuego on fire. Not li not literally, it's figuratively. You've got another big project. Uh, we've got another big project to talk about today, PEA. You must be really pleased with the, with the numbers. Um, when you kind of run through those and then let's kind of get into a conversation. Yeah, sure. Um, as you said, Matt, it's been, it's been uh, you know, one of the key catalysts that we've been working towards. Um, we've been able to have our team deliver that on time and within guidance and putting out some very, very strong and punchy numbers, um, really, really standing out um, and outlining what is going to be a, a circa 100,000 tonne per annum copper production profile uh, with a mine life on this of around 16 years at this stage. So that is a huge cash generator that has just been, I guess, outlined what's really a key differentiator in the economics we see for this large long-life copper and gold production, putting out about 50,000 ounces of gold on top of 95,000 tonnes of copper, is that we see it's now probably one of the lowest capital intensity major copper developments in the global pipeline outside of the control of a major miner. And that's really key. It's, it's big. It's big. Um, and, it's, and it's very key. And I, I do want to kind of get into the kind of commercial uh, components of it. Um, so if you don't mind, I'm going to start with CapEx. Uh, we've seen a lot of commentary around, my goodness, the CapEx number is massive in relation to the size of the company. They're never going to be able to fund this thing. So how do you kind of address that concern? Yeah, well, I guess, you know, we uh, we probably addressed the beginning of that um, at the same time with the announcement of the Cisco royalty transaction, uh, an investment by one of the leading North American royalty and streaming houses, uh, 15 million US for effectively a 1.1% royalty over the top of our payable metals on the Costa Fuego project. So really strong see-through value um, 15 US, um, that gets our treasury to around 26 million. It fully funds us for the next 12 to 18 months to deliver on a project roadmap, which involves the completion of a pre-feasibility next year and the delivery of a resource at the end of this year. Um, ultimately, what that has shown is a see-through value, which concurs with the 1.54 billion US pre-tax number that we just put on Costa Fuego in its current form. Uh, 1.1 billion post-tax US is what we're uh, putting out on long-term copper prices of 385 and 8% discount rates. We believe it's a very conservative PEA and what this is setting up hot chili is now establishing us not just in Australia, now as the only 100,000 tonne per annum copper plate on the ASX, so the largest exposure to copper for the ASX through hot chili and great to wave that flag, but we're sitting as now one of about four or five key players that are not controlled by a major, holding the largest projects in the pipeline for copper that will impact supply by 2030. Okay, so 
I guess it's meaningful globally as well. Um, in, in that sense, not just in, in, in Australia. You're on the OTC, aren't you? Yeah, you correct. Um, so I guess North American people might not, might might need to lean into this project too. Um, let, let, let's just talk about some of the things that you talked you talked about there, and some of the assumptions you're making. Okay, long term copper price. I think we're we're all in violent agreement on that one. The the the, the, the banks are industry experts are um, say heading up towards four bucks, and I suspect it'll be. Uh, a bit higher by the time you kind of move forward into that kind of production phase. So we'll take that as a as a as red. Um, this Cisco, um, you know, fifteen million bucks. Like, yes, it puts cash in the till, but it's what it, I think. It's for me, it was what it signals in terms of the diligence carried out that they think this is real. Um, it also means continuing non dilutory funding into the company. So how are you kind of managing to sort of? juggle the non-dilutory component with the with the demands of money needed in the company sure well left exactly (laughs) we've got a lot of optionality and i think that this as i said was the beginning of that optionality being um, put on display so we haven't raised uh raised money through the issuance of shares since the tsxv ipo um, and the dual listing over into the North America with the OTCQX and that beachhead. And that's really about our future and where this project will ultimately be funded if we're lucky enough to be at a financing decision in 26 as we're intending. So where we are at the moment, using the royalty was a short-term sort of small, very incremental royalty that wasn't going to hurt the project on NPV um, and certainly gave us the optionality to put that back um, in multiples through the use of proceeds. 30,000 metre program kicking off fully funded, pre-feasibility, 80% complete already, which means that we're really taking this next phase as an upscale advantage to see if we can now turn this into towards a 150,000 tonne per annum project through regional consolidation, more drilling, and even looking at Cordadera rather than putting an underground below the large pit there turning it into a very large pit scenario. So we've got a few levers up our sleeve in terms of Im- improving things and, and escalating the importance and significance of this project. And um, by all means, the investment by Cisco alongside the 9.9% shareholding by Glencore, um, that is really recognition of the significance of Costa Fuego um, to the copper supply pipeline. So now that we've established that, if we're going to fund this, then it's about the other optionality that we have up our sleeve and that we've retained. Firstly, on streaming, um, I know a lot of people uh, understand Hot Chili was looking at a lot of options over the past six, nine months with my commercial team and a lot of discussions with several parties. But we felt that streaming was such a large lever on financing in the future. The closer that is to production, the more value that that has to us. The project's going to put out 50,000 ounces of gold production a year for 14 years at the moment. That's probably going to lift and extend. And so that will be a significant lever for us to on non-dilutive funding. In addition, we, we were able to maintain uh, a lot of our offtake rights, 40% in fact, over the first years that are unencumbered. Um, of course, 60% of those are already tied up with an agreement with Glencore for benchmark pricing. Um, so a very strong partner there uh, that comes with that strategic shareholding that Glencore um, earlier invested. But what that means is that we have offtake on the table, we have streaming options on our precious metals on the table. We probably have 
appetite for strategic investment, either at project level eventually. Um, and, uh, and I do note that a lot of the Chilean projects are financed through those mechanisms. So when you do the equation and look at potentially higher debt loading through ECA, um, debt financing syndication, then what you're actually looking at is a very, very small portion of what looked like an insurmountable amount of capital. But when the project has optionality, as these large polymetallic copper, conventional copper projects do, then we can put a lot of that, that, uh, that asset value to work. Least of all, the assets that we have on our books, such as water, one of the only companies that has a water license in the senior copper development space that is low, at low altitude. Okay, so there's a lot to unpack there, but I'm, I'm, trying, I'm trying to summarize. You're, because it's big already, right? So you aren't going to be spending money necessarily to make this bigger. You're trying to make it more efficient. Is, is, that, that's the, is that the end game? Right, okay. That's, so that's, that's, I know you, the, the, the type of drilling, I guess, then is important in that. So the, the type of, you talk about 30,000 meters, right? So that just sounds like, oh man, I'm trying to make this bigger. It's not, you're, trying, you're looking for, a well, clearly, presumably better, better grade, and, and may, maybe more, ounce, more more pounds is great. But is it about the way that this thing will eventually be mined? That, that, is that the problem you're trying to understand? No, well, look, we, we we I suppose came to this part of the coastline and spent 15 years consolidating it because we felt there was a missing tier one camp. Tier one copper camps are spaced every 180 kilometers up and down the coastline on the East Atacama Fault Zone. And they have the same spacing on the Western Fisher Fault and the High Andes in the nosebleed country of the 4,000 meter project developments. And this was the one location that did not have that. That's what attracted me here in the first place and started this effort. We think the area has more to give up, not just on our own deposits, but within our own land holdings. Several new exploration targets will be brought forward. Sensible drilling will occur in the product, in the Cordadera porphyry footprint within and around a large potential pit option, which we have to assess, that is currently called waste because there are just no drill holes in that very large um, footprint. Um, we also have all of the new AMSA ground to play with and the fourth porphyry that gave us some reasonable results near surface that we haven't finished that program with antifagasta minerals on. Uh, but ultimately, you know, we are pursuing opportunities as we always have. We want to build the largest processing facility on the Chilean coastline at that location so we can take ore from everywhere and turn this into a 150,000 tonne per annum hub. If we can do that, this is the largest scale outside of the majors coming in. And most importantly, and this is the strategic reasoning for it, it brings your cash cost into the first quartile at that scale. And what that is, is a long life insulated project regardless of your view on where, what, where copper goes. And what I think that that does is set this thing up to be extremely leveraged to any price move in copper. Right. So, so let's, I'm just trying to do a sort of nagging, nagging, nagging dance in the background. So let, let's, you reference, you know, um, the way that, you know, some other projects um, have been financed and, so have, and, and have been set up and, you know, how they've gone about, you know, um, you know, placing themselves with, with the projects. G give me an example, either specific or generic, if you may, which says, will tell me that you've got options on the table, which, which aren't predicated 
only on finding strategic investor to put money into this. I know Glencore's in, but it's 9.9, right? I know Cisco's in, but you know they have a slightly different business model. And I know there's competitive tensions, lots of people looking for good, big copper projects. But if you were to say, do you know what? If we can construct this in a certain way, we might be able to fund this thing ourselves. People are going to say, right, you're going to destroy this because typically it's a, I don't know, 60, 40 type, well, 50, 50 type, you know, debt equity structure. From where we are today, that looks pretty impossible. Yeah, I don't think that we would be taking forward our approach to um, project financing that way. And that, that's, that's the key differentiator. Um, I think that we have hundreds of millions of dollars available in precious metal streams. I think that we have significant availability of ECA-led debt funding. And I think that ultimately our offtake rights um, and, and really the optionality with assets like water um, says that we've got a lot of non-dilutive options on the table um, before we even get to the question of equity and we can roll them out in the near term. And I think that that's the biggest challenge for any aspiring copper developer is actually the journey, financing that through the equity markets and destroying capital structures. And then when you get there, the base that you're moving from is already bloated. Um, we've had a very big restructure of the company. We've wound that capital structure back to 119 million shares. That's been frozen for a year and a half and it will remain frozen for another 18 months. And if I was a betting man, I think that you could probably be assured that with Nikki Adset at the helm and our approach to the way that we're moving forward on capital management, that we would be ultimately putting non-dilutive capital um, funding um, well in front, in front of our options on equity financing and ultimately looking to chop that down to a negligible amount that is in line with our market capitalization or hopefully lower. Okay, so negligible is the, is the word on the equity is the, is the bit I'm looking to try and understand. I guess once we kind of move through into the uh, PFS phase, you'll, we'll start to understand the economics a little bit more tightly. So let's just talk about that period. You know, you talk about deliverables um, from PFS through, through to DFS. It's in your um, presentation. People should um, jump, jump to that towards the back. Um, it is the the PFS, I don't know what level the PEA was done to, and I don't know how much more work, because um, you talk about 2024, um, you know, second half delivery for the PFS. How much more meaningful work is there to do um, on on that, I know you funded for it, but what what are the kind of big things that you know would concern you? Yeah, well, when you make sort of you know statements like twelve to eighteen million, a uh, twelve to eighteen months of uh, of of funding, and and you're talking about delivering a pre fees, it might sound ambitious. Other than the fact that uh, last year uh, we spent the bulk of uh, our funding last year on that pre feasibility. So when we delivered this PEA, we were about eighty percent roughly complete on work streams, um, already spent all of the heavy drilling that was invested on geotech, on hydrogeology, all of that work um, is already in the bag. So what we are doing is, is you know, this uh, $26 million in treasury that will be in our bank um, post-closing of this deal, um, expected probably within the coming couple of weeks. Um, what that gives us is, is, is a treasury to really go after this growth and execute on that upscale and extension plan. And, you know, ultimately, 
we have a we have a project. There's a couple of projects uh, within this class of plus forty thousand ton per annum copper developers that meet a ratio, a metric um, of uh, of of uh, NPV divided by startup capital, and the ratio of one is called a profitability index. You want to be above that hurdle. There's only a few of us that sit above that hurdle. So already the um, certainly the financial strength of the project is already in good health. It's the lowest capital intensity project. It just puts out a lot of metal. You're talking about revenue generation, Matthew, of around 850 million US a year um, for a 16 year period. So, you know, our challenge is now to push that into the plus 20 year bracket. We can do that with the big pit option. We can do that with drilling. And we can do that with hopefully some further opportunities, which we've been pursuing for many years. So, you know, ultimately we see a bigger production hub and ultimately what that is is market share. If you believe that copper price has got the ingredients to multiply by 10, like iron ore did and like lithium, and to be very honest, if you even think that it could go up 50%, then hot chili um, leverage equation, 50% increase in copper price, triples our NPV, doubles our IRR. Um, so if you were a Andrew Forrest, I sort of said in an interview today, or, a, or, a, or a, you know, with an FMG or a, or a Pilbara Minerals in front of both of those price re-rates, um, the, the equation on the value of hot chili is extraordinary. And we are big believers in the, uh, the uh, I guess, copper squeeze that is coming. Seven to eight million tonnes of additional supply a year per annum for the copper market. To, uh, to get supply on, we can only see visibly two to three million tonne per annum. And that's without delay on those schedules. So um, we've seen it before and, uh, and we want to be positioned with the most amount of copper exposure um, out of our peer group.